Ever watch somebody pick at a wound and wonder why it won't heal? Or the person who sticks to his daily routine and completely forgets to take his medications and then blames the doctor for not healing him? Aren't we sometimes the same when it comes to God? We blame God for not alleviating suffering, but we often choose that same suffering ourselves, causing sin, maybe because it's disguised as something cultural or something national or ethnic. And then we wonder why our condition is so miserable. Evil doesn't always materialize in a malevolent form. Sometimes it's just the fruit. And sometimes, well, sometimes it's just a beast. But if we dwell on sin, if we focus on all the suffering, if we continue, so to speak, to pick our wounds or stick to our habits, we lose focus of Christ and the suffering just continues. What gave the reformer strength to bear persecution? What enabled the Valdenses to persevere? Christ and Christ alone. If we stop looking at the crowd around us, in the church and otherwise, perhaps we can see the hope that comes from understanding Christ, who overcame so that we may. I'm Michael Mueller, and this is Sabbath School University. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. Sabbath School U. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Welcome back to Sabbath School University. And we have an exciting topic about uh, that we're going to deal with today, and it's about a victorious life. Mm. And we have a panel of guests with us, and I want you to introduce yourself, tell, tell us a little bit about you, and tell us about a victorious moment in your life. Okay, well, I'm Steve Toscano, and um, I study uh, church history. And uh, one victorious moment that comes to mind is um, when I was a few years younger than I am now, I remember I was pursuing a young lady. Uh, and um, at that time, when I first started to pursue her, she wasn't so interested in me. She was interested in, in some other fine young gentleman, I'm sure. <laughs> but by prayer and uh, fasting, <laughs> you know, by the grace of God, he, um, was allow he allowed me to, to win her favor. And uh, several years later, I'm now married to her. All right. And she is uh, one of the greatest blessings and one of the most victorious moments of my life <laughs> is when she said yes. <laughs> Very good. Uh, my name is Kelly Jean Phillip from Philadelphia. I'm here in the uh, seminary. I get in my Master's of Divinity. And the uh, victorious moment of my life was actually a recent one uh, when I received my letter of acceptance to the seminary. <laughs> I remember throwing my arms up in the, into the air. I'm in. Because I had been waiting for about five years to get in here. So. All right. Yeah, Lord, so it was good. pretty good feeling. Amen. Very good. <laughs> My name is Don Magbano. I am Filipino by descent. I grew up in the Philippines, but I am currently living in New Jersey, where, well, outside of Andrews, I'm living in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. and, here, but uh, home is a little, yes. a little ways away. <laughs> uh, one victorious moment I would say is the last time I saw a Yankees game. I'm a big Yankees fan. <laughs> And it was bottom of the ninth, 
against the Red Sox, <laughs> down two runs, tied up bottom of the ninth in the in the tenth inning. Uh, Marcus Thames hits a, a walk-off home run. It was a, a, a joyful moment, um, especially because we were sitting next to Red Sox fans, <laughs> and they've been talking all throughout the game. <laughs> So that was a victorious moment. I think a victorious moment for me was um, I've had knee problems throughout my whole childhood mm. uh, and uh, really struggled with that for three years. Doctor said, you can't run, you can't jog, you can't do any exercise uh, because of some knee issues. And the moment I finished a half marathon, Ooh. I was like, yes. <laughs> Wasn't quite the time that I'd hoped for, but I finished. Finished, I got through it, I can Amen. fall over now and uh, die and be in peace kind of thing. So that was a, that was a victorious moment. Well, before we dive into our, our study today, let's start with a word of prayer and with our scripture reading for today. Don, would you do that for let's us? Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, we thank you very much for this opportunity you have given us to, to open your word, um, the word that you have um, given to us, O oh Lord, so that we may get to know you and your plan for us and the victory that you have already attained that you, and that you want us to experience as well. So lead us, O oh Lord, with your Holy Spirit and open our minds to wondrous things about you. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our key text for today is uh, found in Romans 8, verse 37. And it reads, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen. There we go, they're the conquerors, right? The victorious ones, fantastic. Thank you, thank you, Don. How can we as, as Christians hold on to this, this victory, even though sometimes life throws us a curveball, ah. <laughs> and we have to go through suffering and, and temptation? How can we hold on to this? How can we get courage? Um, one verse that I find courage from is from the words of Jesus. In John 16, verse 33, um, he says, Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Mm -hmm. um, the setting of this, of this text is right before Jesus um, goes into Gethsemane mm -hmm. and starts praying for his disciples and the people that will be, that will be believing because of their testimony and um, before his death. And for him to say that he's overcome the world and knowing that he's going to die soon, gives me victory as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, gives me, makes me joyful, and it gives me hope that Jesus already knew that he was gonna have the victory because he submitted himself for this, even before um, dying, and even knowing the fact that he would die, which um, usually in our, in our minds would mean defeat. Yeah. And of course, in that setting, even for the Romans, that was kind of the worst thing that could happen yeah. to you. And, and though facing the worst thing in, a, in that cultural setting, Jesus claimed uh, victory and, mm -hmm. and knew that he would, that, that would be the way exactly. to victory. Yeah. Thank I you. I think another um, powerful example is the fact that the tomb is empty. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. I mean, there can't be, in my mind, a more powerful, uh, vivid example than that. He went into the tomb and he came out of the tomb and that empty tomb stands as the most powerful example that, yeah, we have the victory through Jesus Christ who was able to overcome death. And I think that's very precious. And I draw all the strength from that whenever I need it. 
Perhaps in a, in a more practical way, I find that when I look at Jesus and the example that he has for us, uh, I think of the story of Jesus going into the wilderness and being tempted by the devil. And what I find most interesting in that is that this is Jesus, the Son of God, the creator of all things. And in that setting, in order to conquer Satan's temptations, he appealed to the Word of God. He quoted scripture. He said, it is written yeah. three times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how we can apply that, I think, is that I think by following that example of Jesus, I think it underlines the importance of claiming the promises of God's Word. Yeah. And so no matter what trial or temptation or suffering you may be enduring, I think that if we can fill our minds with the precious promises of God's Word, those things can give us hope and encouragement in times of weakness. Yeah, I think because it relates to so many aspects uh, of life, of, of people that suffered through difficult moments, that were tempted, that struggled, and, and yet uh, came out of that mm -hmm. and, and persevered. What biblical persons can you relate to or, or that come to your mind when you think about this and, and that people that have become victorious over the devil? Um, I think of Paul as a good example. I mean, we see the life of Paul pre-Jesus and post-Jesus, mm -hmm. and uh, we all know pre-Jesus he was persecuting the, uh, the saints and you know all the things that Paul was uh, famous for doing, uh, killings and what have you. And then he had that encounter with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And with the same passion that he used to persecute God's people, now he went and preached the Word of God. And he not only uh, reminded people of this, of this uh, beautiful change in his life, but every single day he lived it, I believe, and we can see it in his letters, we can see it in, the, you know, 1 Corinthians, we can see, I mean, in all of the letters that he writes, he continuously pour himself uh, and continues to harp back at this transformation that he had uh, mm -hmm. after meeting Jesus. That is quite an incredible story from, yeah. Yeah. from yeah. murderer to, to advocate. To advocate. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. You know, the first Bible character that comes to mind when I think of um, having victory over the devil and over this world is, is Enoch. You know, the Bible tells us that Enoch walked with God. Mm -hmm. And the Bible also says in Hebrews 11, I just want to read it, Hebrews 11, verse 5 and 6, the Bible says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found, because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony, that he pleased God. And then it goes on to say in verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so I think of Enoch's experience, I think that, in my opinion, the key to his victory was that he walked closely with God daily. Mm -hmm. um, the key to his victory was that he had faith, not in himself, not in his own strength and his own abilities, but his faith was completely dependent upon God. And I just love that example, and I think mm -hmm. that that gives me encouragement no matter what may be happening in my life.
and life wasn't all that pretty, uh, even during Enoch's time. That's right. That's right. So that we have a flood situation happening just a couple of chapters later. That's right. So it wasn't uh, pretty. One um, character comes to mind is uh, a character from the Old Testament, one who was prestigious, who had royalty, and that's King Nebuchadnezzar. Mm -hmm. um, I remember taking a class in Daniel. I sat in a, a class that a professor was teaching it, and as he was going over the class and towards the end, he did a, a, an overview of the class, and he, he was he was gonna say. The most important part of the Bible, and as I'm waiting, I'm expecting him to say, ah, the prophecies in Daniel 8, this, that. And the thing that he says is, the best part of Daniel 8 is, I believe it's chapters 2 and 3, where Nebuchadnezzar changes and changes lives, mm -hmm. changes his life because of the experience that he had with God. And so for, for, for the person who, who's the least likely to, to be a candidate for heaven, to actually um, turn back and, and submit his life to, to God. I think that's such a powerful testimony of what the love of God can do to somebody. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah. We've had some, <laughs> we had two antagonists, yeah. right? Yes. <laughs> that that uh, turned their, their life around. Mm -hmm. and, right. and then we had this model example of, of Enoch, and there are only a handful of verses in the Bible. Yeah, it's yeah, not a right. big story, it's just that's this right. small little sliver. When I was thinking about this, I I thought of Peter, mm -hmm. and maybe because I've been, been for my personal time, I've, I've been looking at the, the life of Peter, and, and there's more to this man. We, we usually say, well, Peter is this, this brash, forward-running type person that's mm -hmm. just gung-ho and, and can't control his mouth kind of situation. Yeah. And he's the one of, of whom Jesus actually says, get behind me, Satan, right? So if we talk about... Uh, the way we sort of formulated it, biblical examples that struggled with the devil. Here's somebody that, that suddenly had this lack of faith and, mm -hmm. and, and Satan was using him to get to Jesus. And, and Jesus comes around and talks to him. He denies Jesus. But after that, we see a Peter that is incredibly humble. Yes. Not the gung-ho person anymore. Mm. That experience changed him. Uh, almost, I'd say, a shy Peter who's like, ah, I don't want to be in the spotlight anymore. Uh, not that he didn't do things and he didn't grab hold of, of the prophecies of the Old Testament and preach an amazing sermon. But in the, God, in, the, in, the, in the letters that he writes, an incredible humble Peter mm -hmm. who suddenly speaks about fellow elders. I'm on one level with everybody. in the. I'm not that heroic person. Yeah. The Gospel of Mark being probably written or the story of Peter very humble person, Peter, mm -hmm. that became a humble person. And yeah. that to me is, is how, how people become changed. Yes, yeah. that's true. It's, a, it's amazing to see that. What can we claim for our struggles now? If we make that personal, what can we, what can, what can we learn for our struggles out of these stories and out of the Bible verses that we, that we looked at uh, throughout this week? I think that um, for the times that we struggle, uh, I remember the text is not coming to mind right now, but there's this beautiful illustration, and I hope I can remember it, but there's this beautiful illustration in the uh, Old Testament. It's a vision given to a prophet, and it's the accuser uh, up in the heavenly courts, and uh, it is the prophet or the, um, 
the Joshua. Yes. Zephaniah three. Zephaniah three. Thank you. Zechariah three. Zechariah. Thank you. Zechariah. Thank you. Zechariah. And the the whole purpose of this illustration is to show how we are sinners and the accuser has the right to accuse us. But then yes. the beautiful part of this illustration is that the judge tells the accuser to close his mouth and commands that the robes, the dirty robes, be taken off mm -hmm. of this person and to be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time I read that illustration, tears almost came to mind. Because that just shows that my shortcomings, my sins have been removed from me. And now I am clothed with the righteousness of God. And I mean, if you just let that sit in your mind for a few seconds and meditate on it. We like those stories of rags to, uh, yeah. to tuxedo from, yeah. from the ghetto to Harvard, yes. right? We, we yes. like these makeover. stories. But yes. they had the whole makeover story. But in this case, it's Jesus who does it. Yes. It's not yes. we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. Yes. In, in Zechariah 3. Zachariah it's that 3. somebody else did it for Joshua yes. the high priest. Mm -hmm. um, a man that comes to mind is Habakkuk. Mm -hmm. A little prophet, one of those small books that we don't talk about too often. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he goes through a struggle with God, and apparently he's the only prophet who starts off his his book by questioning God. Usually, it's God speaking to the prophet first, then the prophet responds. But in this case, it's Habakkuk calling out to God and asking him, "Lord, what's happening? There's so much injustice in my world right now. Like, where are you? Where are you? Where are you?" And so a lot of questions, and in, in, in chapter 2 of Habakkuk, he, he says in uh, verse 3, it says, Though it tarries, wait for, no, I'm sorry, the Lord says, Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. And it goes on to say, But the just shall live by his faith. And then by the end of his book, Habakkuk just goes on to singing, singing and, and praising God. He's saying, yes, yes, yes. The Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and He will make me walk on high hills. From, from, from uh, the beginning of the book, he goes on um, questioning God in despair, mm -hmm. hopeless. And then he, God just refutes him and says, man, don't worry, it will come, and the just, the just shall live by faith. There's even a lot of suffering in that book, isn't there? Yes, There's, a lot. Um, God doesn't say, everything is going to be splendid. Mm -hmm. Habakkuk, there will be difficult times coming ahead. Mm -hmm. There'll be armies that will invade. There'll be all mm -hmm. these things that happen. And, and Habakkuk is like, how can this happen? How can you let this happen? And God is like, it'll happen. But the just shall live by faith. And mm -hmm. that's the amazing thing. We sometimes have to go through difficult times in life, even through suffering, yes. to become victorious. And I think the Apostle Paul addresses that uh, very same point mm -hmm. in Romans 8. Um, the verse that comes to mind is Romans 8 and verse 18, where he says, For I reckon that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall future mm -hmm. be revealed in us. Mm -hmm. and I believe that that's a precious promise that no matter what we may be going through, how hard life may get, and life can be difficult at times, life can be messed up at times, but in spite of that, the Apostle Paul urges us to look forward 
and not to our present circumstances, but to look forward and to remember that one day that God's glory, His character will be revealed in us. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. You know what? Um, another verse that comes to mind is Jeremiah 29, 11. Very, uh, very popular verse, um, especially for people who's probably going through uh, a passage in their life, whether it's from high school to college, from college to a career. Um, there, you know, it says that God has a plan for you in the future, a plan of hope. And I don't think sometimes, I think sometimes we don't realize um, how impractical that verse was really in Jeremiah's <laughs> time. Because God's telling Jeremiah, yes, you guys are going to get conquered by Babylon. Mm -hmm. You're going to live there. There's, so, there's going to be so much destruction in Israel. But don't worry, I have a plan for you. <laughs> and so uh, um, I guess God is just in a whole different paradigm compared to us. Like He sees so many different things that we don't see. And, and He sees um, the future, which we can't see, which, um, which gives us uh, a future and a hope to uh, expect because He knows it already. Yeah, I think that's really crucial. I also like uh, Ephesians where this can also give a lot of hope in these mm -hmm. difficult uh, times when we face suffering. Mm -hmm. um, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. He's in a position of, of power and authority. He's ultimately in control. Yes. Uh, I might not experience it all the time in everyday life. And uh, the image of God suffering with me is also a very important yeah. one. Um, but He is ultimately in control and He mm -hmm. will make things right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Somebody that can make things and will make things right. Yes. That, that is a, a comforting thought right. to me. Yeah. Right. So the question becomes, we, we talk about, and, and, and um, the Christian writer Ellen White, she wrote, we should draw nigh to God. This is 18th, uh, 19th century uh, language. We should draw near okay. to God. I was wondering what that meant. <laughs> draw near to God. What does that mean in, in practical terms? How, how do you yeah. experience that? I think that the best way we can draw nigh to God or near to God in practical terms is to be real with God. You know, a lot of times, rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times, you know, our society, you know, teaches us to, you know, to put up a front, to not be genuine. But the Bible teaches the opposite. In fact, the scripture that comes to mind is uh, a very powerful one is in Psalms 145, verse 18 and 19. The Bible says, the Lord is nigh or near there we go. Yeah. <laughs> unto all them that call upon him. Yes. To all that call upon him in truth, in sincerity. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. And so I just find that this is underscoring the importance of calling upon God, the importance of being real or genuine with God. God knows us better than anyone else. Yeah. Yep. God knows us better than our parents. God knows us better than we know ourselves. <laughs> You see, and if there's anyone that we can be real with, that we can be genuine with, it's God. And He, he urges us that when we, when we talk with Him, to not be pretentious, to not uh, pretend to be something that we're not, mm -hmm. but to just be real. If we're struggling with sin, be real with Him. Tell the Lord, Lord, I'm struggling with this particular temptation. I love this temptation. I love this sin, but please help me. Mm. I think that that is underscored in Scripture, the idea of being real with God. And we saw that in the example of Habakkuk, right? Mm -hmm. I am dealing with, in that mm -hmm. case, it's suffering that mm -hmm. he can't do anything about. How can I deal with this? 
I don't understand you, God. And he's very open and very frank, and God gives an amazing answer yeah. that will lead us to the New Testament right there. That, that one Here's one thing to consider. Here's the God of the universe making an invitation to us and say, come, let's reason mm. together. Mm. I mean, here is wisdom personified asking us, you know, to come reason with him. So, I mean, that just gives us the invitation, the open doors to, it is okay to talk to God, like mm -hmm. you said, be real with him about whatever situation uh, we might find ourselves in. And uh, I think that's a very powerful text. Mm -hmm. I think in times of uh, uncertainty, um, as I experienced in uh, this a summer volunteer that I, that I experienced in Lebanon this past summer, mm -hmm. um, I was, planned to stay there for three months. Mm -hmm. um, I only knew what I would do for one month, <laughs> and that was the first month. And during that first month, I was supposed to try and figure out what I would do for the rest of the summer. And um, there was just so many questions. Um, I had no doubt that it was God that led me there, but to, to, to realize exactly what His plan was, um, I, it, really, it really just drew, draw, drew me to my knees. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it brought me on my knees. And I guess once it's once we realize that there is a lot of need in our lives, it just brings us to our knees to 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 reason together yeah. with God, and, and you know work it out and and see where he where he leads us to. And I can I can praise God for the wonderful work that He did. Be real with Him, reason with Him, argue with Him, submit to Him at submit, one point. Yes. Of course, have yeah. faith in Him. Amen. Um, those are some of the things that, that we need to do. Not be frustrated with setbacks. We have setbacks ourselves. Life has setbacks. Trust in Jesus. Yes. Trust in God anyway. Those are some of the things. And then 1 Peter 5 has a promise for us. Okay. But may the God of all grace, verse 10 in chapter 5, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, this is the victory, after you have suffered, that's our reality, mm -hmm make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Amen. And may Amen. that be what carries us through this week. Amen. Thank you so much for being on the show. If you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool.org. Remember, the goal for Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Ike Mueller. We'll see you next week.